Hello and welcome into another episode of Locked on Wolves. This is the post-game podcast from the Wolves' 11-point win over the Utah Jazz on Thursday night at Target Center. A big game from Carl Anthony Towns, a fantastic two-way game from Nikhil Alexander-Walker in the starting lineup, and no Anthony Edwards due to injury. No problem for the Wolves in this one. A slow offensive start, a huge third quarter, and a nice close to the game as the Wolves uh, did a lot of work in transition, locked down the Jazz on defense. We'll break the whole thing down here on the show today. Welcome in. You are Locked On Wolves. You are Locked On Timberwolves. Your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy weekend. And uh, it's a victory Friday after a Wolves win over the Jazz on Thursday. Sands Anthony Edwards, an impressive, um, well, I don't want to say an impressive overall performance, but a really impressive third quarter and some other good moments throughout as the Wolves uh, ended up beating the Jazz by double figures, covering that 10.5 point FanDuel line by a half point that um, we talked about on the show on Thursday. So we'll break down everything on the postgame pod. I want to highlight, obviously, Cat Alexander-Walker, another big Rudy game, and what I was most impressed by in this game, key takeaways-wise. So we'll get to all that here in just a minute. A big thank you here off the top for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. Wherever you like to listen to podcasts, you can find Lockdown Wolves. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. And you can follow on X at Lockdown T Wolves and also at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. All right. Um, this was a, uh, you know, coming into this game, as we talked about on Thursday's show, the Jazz, of course, shorthanded. Um, no Laurie Markin in. He missed, what, like fourth straight game. Um, Kelly Olynyk was questionable. He ended up playing. Jordan Clarkson did not play. Um, you know, a couple other, this was Walker Kessler's third game back from the injury that he caused him to miss a couple of weeks. So a bit of a, you know, a mishmash of Utah Jazz players. They also were on the second night of a road back-to-back lost in Memphis, the Grizzlies' first road win, of the, excuse me, first home win of the season on Wednesday night. So the Wolves had a rest advantage. They had obviously a talent advantage. The Jazz were six and uh 12 coming into the game. Uh, now, of course, the Wolves didn't have Jaden McDaniels. They didn't have Anthony Edwards. And this was a brand new starting lineup. Only the, I believe, the third different starting lineup that Chris Finch has used this season because this is the first game that Ants missed, right? Um, so it, there was some question as to how the starting lineup would look. The Timberwolves ended up giving the starting lineup nod to Troy Brown Jr., I'm sure in part due to how well he played down the stretch on Tuesday. But it also just kind of made sense to put him in that role. He's a more seamless fit with the starters, at least at the three, uh, than, say, Kyle Anderson would have been. And to ask somebody who hadn't been in the rotation at all, like Josh Minot, would have been a, a stretch. And, you know, Kyle Anderson is really the only other viable option. And it made sense to keep him in that bench role where he's playing the four alongside Nas or the three in a little bit of a smaller lineup next to Nas and Cat. Um, so all that to say, Troy Brown Jr. joins the starting lineup. So the Wolves had all of the other advantages. This should have been still a fairly easy win for the Wolves, hence the 10.5 point line uh, set by FanDuel. But the Wolves early in this game could not get out of their own way offensively. It was clunky and, you know, it makes sense, right? Because you're missing Anthony Edwards, the guy who, 
you know, was using so many of these possessions. Um, so it, it, but it was a clunky is probably a nice way of putting it. Very little flow. They did generate a few open three point shots, but they just seemed to be missing, um, just missing shots they'd been making all season. Like Mike Conley missed his first few, and he struggled from the field on Tuesday, but he'd been lights out before that. Missed some shots early. Nikhil Alexander-Walker missed some open shots. Cat missed his first three. I think he made his next couple, though, and ultimately ended up shooting the ball really well. But early, early in the game, those open shots were simply not falling. Rudy missed a couple of tip-ins, and the Wolves were actually down by three. They only scored 20 points in the first quarter. Eventually, though, the bench kind of helped get the Wolves into some sort of an offensive rhythm. It was nice to have guys that could penetrate with the ball in their hands. I mean, you you have no ant. Uh, Jaden McDaniels has penetrated a lot more, gotten into the paint a lot more the last year and a half or so. Um, and so that starting lineup, like Conley probes a little bit. He's not trying to get all the way to the rack. Troy Brown Jr., you don't really want him or Nikhil Alexander-Walker doing that too much. Obviously, Gobert's not driving from the perimeter. So it's up to whatever Conley can do. And then Cat, if he's getting the opportunity to pump fake and drive, well, Cat drew two early offensive fouls doing just that, being aggressive, getting his off arm up. That happened twice. He hit the bench early with two fouls. Rudy Gobert up with two fouls. Um, and eventually Cat gets a third foul in the first half. Mike Conley gets two fouls. So foul trouble was a really big theme early in this game. But uh, back to the point about the bench, getting Nas into the game, getting Shake Milton into the game, and just getting a bit more you know, of a different flow going is is what helped the Wolves, I think, lift themselves offensively a little bit. Neither of them ended up with good shooting lines for the game. Like the bench combined to shoot one of 11 from outside the arc, which is insanely terrible. But um, the bench is what kind of helped this offense get moving. There were some good moments towards the end of the first half for a majority uh, a lineup that was majority starters. The Wolves ended up up by two at halftime. Very modest lead for a team the Wolves should have buried. But again, you know, the Wolves don't have Ant, right? They haven't really, they haven't played at all without Ant other than the last quarter and a half against Oklahoma City on Tuesday. So this was the longest stretch of time they'd ever played without Anthony Edwards this season. And they were kind of finding their way. Um, in the third quarter, their offense came from transition, from generating turnovers, from getting out and running in the open floor. And it's something I talked about, I think it was going back about a week now on the show. I highlighted how the Wolves were generating a lot of turnovers but their pace was still middle of the pack, you know, back middle of the pack overall. In fact, they've played a little faster lately, but if you look at basketball reference, coming into the play on Thursday night, the Wolves were 17th in pace. And I had cited some cleaning the glass numbers last week that basically said the Wolves were, you know, towards the bottom of the league in terms of turning turnovers into transition opportunities. The Wolves were have been too happy to kind of rest on their laurels after generating a turnover and not get back and, and score in transition, which if you watch Chris Finch since the beginning of his tenure in Minnesota, he's always asking them to run. He always wants to run in transition, but Ant doesn't always want to, if he's got the ball in his hands, he'd rather slow things down, you know, um, take his time and then shoot a pull up three in transition or just get the, in the offense, get into a pick and roll situation. Um, and I'm not, at all, I'm not, I'm not saying that the wolves definitely played faster because they didn't have Ant because it wasn't the case early in the game. But that could have been a factor here because uh, Conley's more than comfortable pushing the pace. Alexander Walker is always looking to push the pace of the balls in his hand. Shake Milton, same thing there. Um, and the Wolves were just getting into things so much faster. And the third quarter was was where that really kind of took off, was Minnesota um, generated turnovers. Utah turned the ball over 19 times in this game. And... Minnesota's length just really disrupted disrupted what was already a disjointed Jazz offense. They were 20th in offensive rating coming into this game, and missing um, you know Jordan Clarkson and, and missing Markin and you know 
arguably their two most talented offensive players. Um, I guess throw John Collins in there. So two of their top three most talented offensive players. And the Wolves just did a really good, like I thought Cat was great on John Collins. I thought Rudy was really good. Def- Obviously, that's an understatement. It was fantastic defensively. I thought the perimeter guys did really well. Nikhil Alexander-Walker drew four offensive fouls against the Jazz. Three were in the first half. They might have all been in the first quarter, and he drew another one in the third quarter. Four turnovers from the Jazz generated by Nikhil Alexander-Walker just just getting skinny and fighting through screens. Um, because he's so aggressive in fighting through screens, guys that are setting screens are more likely to set a moving screen because they're just trying to get a piece of the guy, right? That's their job is get a piece of the defender. And when they have to move and do that, it's by definition an illegal screen and and the officials called it in this game against Utah. So that was a great job by Nikhil Alexander-Walker. And all those things, you know, those were obviously dead ball turnovers. But um, in the third quarter, it was the effort of the length and the effort defensively for the Wolves that turned defense into offense for the quarter. The Wolves ended up scoring 35 points for the game. The Wolves had a fast break advantage of 25 to five in terms of fast break points, which is a huge gap. Um, And a big part of like Utah actually came into the game playing at a faster pace than Minnesota. But the key here was generating turnovers. And, um, you know, Utah doesn't do that themselves defensively. And I talked about this on, on preview in this matchup on Thursday's show. Utah is dead last in turnover percentage on offense. They turned the ball over more than any other team in the league, and the Wolves took advantage of that, um, especially in that third quarter and ended up building a lead that peaked. I think it was 20. Uh, I guess the, the biggest it ever was was, was just 20. It, um, it hovered around 20 for quite some time. Going to the fourth quarter, it was, uh, I think, 19 going to the fourth quarter. Got back up to 20 briefly, and the Wolves, unfortunately, couldn't, really ever put it away. There was no actual garbage time and it got down to 13 a couple of different times. Minnesota got very sloppy um, in terms of what they were trying to do offensively. In fact, the, uh, I would say it got too cute, right? Like even in, especially in transition, you had, um, you know, Alexander Walker trying to hit Gobert in transition with a one-handed pass, kind of a no look pass. You had another bad Alexander Walker pass. You had a couple of bad cat passes. So the Wolves actually finished this game with um, what they have, 11 turnovers. They probably should have been like eight. Um, you know, they had one at the end of the game, the shot clock violation that they took intentionally. Those bad ones I just mentioned, that would have been like seven or eight turnovers for the game. So the Wolves actually played a really clean game offensively until the fourth quarter when it was should have been garbage time. So I want to talk key takeaways next, and then we'll get into individual studs and duds. Lots of Rudy, lots of Nah, lots of Carl Anthony Towns, uh, lots of accolades to get out after this one. Uh, lots of guys get flowers after this game. So uh, we'll do all that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends over at FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. As we talked about on Thursday's show and at the top of this show, the line coming into the game was Timberwolves minus 10.5. If you picked the Wolves minus 10.5, you would have covered by the skin of your teeth. This was uh, uh, a, a nail biter at the end if you did have the Wolves. Uh, the Wolves minus 10 and a half in this game. But we talk about the FanDuel line before each and every Wolves game, but there's plenty of things over there on the app at FanDuel. It's so easy to use. A wide range of betting options that include spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. Again, FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 
Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right, key takeaways from this one. Um, I was encouraged by the Timberwolves' defense Sands, Jaden McDaniels, and Sands, Anthony Edwards. Now, caveats apply, right? Utah came into this game the 20th offense in the league, missing Clarkson, missing Markkinen, among others. Uh, but McDaniels and Anthony Edwards are certainly two of the Wolves' best three perimeter defenders. I would have said coming into the season, and I did say coming into the season, I thought Ant was a better perimeter defender than Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Body of work so far this year, Ant has been better. Or excuse me, Alexander-Walker has been better than Ant defensively. But... Either way, all three of them are top-flight perimeter defenders, and the Wolves were missing two of those three. Um, the rotation was going to look a little different. Dacia Nix got rotation minutes in this game, which surprised me. I think surprised everybody. Was okay. I, I think it was a turnstile a couple of times defensively, which is one of my main concerns with Nix in the first place. And, uh, you know, had some missed some shots. But anyway, I was a little worried about the Wolves' defense coming into this game. Uh, just that that they would play up to the level that they needed to. I thought for the most part they did. I mean, Utah is just not a very good offensive team, especially as constructed. But like I mentioned this earlier, the job that was done on John Collins, partly Carl Anthony Towns, um, you know, a few different guys had a crack at John Collins. He shot three of 12. He had nine points on 12 shots in this game and four turnovers, zero assists for John Collins. It was a game worst Nine, uh, minus 17 in this game. Nobody else was worse than a minus 11 in terms of individual player plus minus. So uh, an impressive job the Wolves did defensively on John Collins, who was the most dangerous offensive player outside of a couple of Ochai Agbaji corner threes and um, uh, Simone uh, Fontecchi, Fontecchio, I think is how you say it. Uh, Fonticcio, Fontecchio, I believe. Outside of those two guys, like hitting a couple of shots here and there, like there wasn't a whole lot to this Utah offense. Uh, Keontae George had 12 points, took him 19 shots to get there. Uh, the Timberwolves just did a good job using their length, being active in passing lanes, being physical. And and they picked up a lot of fouls early. And and honestly, I thought that some of the ticky-tack stuff was a little bit lopsided in favor of the Jazz early. The Wolves persisted. The other thing I talked about on uh, in terms of the game preview, I was worried about the Wolves rebounding. Um, Utah actually is number one in the league in offensive rebound rate. And sure enough, they had 13 offensive boards in this game, but the Wolves still ended up being a plus eight in terms of points in the paint. And that's because they did enough on the defensive glass. Um, I, like Gobert had 10 boards, excuse me, Gobert had 13 boards, 10 defensive rebounds. Towns had 11. Those guys combining for, uh, for 24 rebounds was really important in this game. The Wolves did enough on the defensive glass. And in terms of points in the paint being a plus eight, that's a testament to none other than Rudy Gobert. Rudy was phenomenal in this game, controlling the paint once again. And all those highlight clips that are floating around of Rudy from Tuesday, that same sort of thing happened against the Jazz. It was just a little less high profile because it wasn't SGA, it wasn't Chet Holmgren, and it wasn't the number two team in the West. It was the Utah Jazz. But Rudy did exactly the same thing. And those guys on the Jazz were petrified when they got into the paint. There were just countless shots that weren't even attempted because of Rudy Gobert's presence and countless others that were altered because of his presence. He still ended up with three blocks. Cat had one block, and I'm I'm pretty confident that the one that he got credited for was one he basically stole from Rudy. Like, either one of them could have had it. They both came uh, over from the opposite side. Gobert actually 
contested a shot on the perimeter, came down or or really kind of stunted at a, at a potential shooter on the perimeter, closed out, sunk back into the paint and had enough time two passes away to get over and help defend at the rim. I forget who the Jazz player was, but Cat ended up with that block. Um, so it was a another dominant Rudy Gobert defensive performance. He was a plus 15 in this game, 15 and three, three blocks. Like, what more do you say? I mean, defensively, he is... He is at such like just a complete other level beyond anybody that the Wolves have had since Kevin Garnett, and, and that's that's bar none. I mean, like the way that he impacts a game is is so so apparent. Um, the fact that he has as many we'll call them detractors as he does just is uh, is is boggling. Mind mind boggling is boggling to the mind. Um, so anyway, Wolves control the paint plus eight in terms of points to the paint. Good enough on the glass. Uh, they were a minus nine overall on the glass, but good enough on the, on the defensive glass. Uh, the other thing, and I talked about this a little bit already in terms of key takeaways, fantastic transition offense, except for the fourth quarter when things got too cute, too sloppy uh, for the Wolves. But transition offense is something I've been harping on for the last couple of weeks. It finally happened. There was kind of a looseness that the Wolves played with in transition. Nikhil Alexander-Walker was a big part of that. Uh, Mike Conley always pushes the ball. I think he did a good job there. He took some you know, he took a pull-up three. That was a good decision. Um, and turning defense into offense is something this team needs to do more of, and they did it to generate some easy offensive possessions in this one. You know, the Wolves came in 18th in offensive rating. They've kind of been hovering in that 15 to 20 mark for a while. Uh, this game's not going to do them a lot of favors because they weren't ultra-efficient themselves. We'll talk more about that here in a second. Uh, but because of that third quarter, it was a respectable offensive performance from the Wolves against, by the way, a team that was 27th in defensive rating coming into the game. So the Wolves shouldn't have had as much, even without Ant, there really wasn't an excuse for the Wolves struggling to, to the two to 20 points in the first quarter um, and, you know, less than 50 at halftime, which was, uh, you know, not, you know, I would say atypical. Um, let's take a look at the overall statistics from this game. I'm going to throw these up if you're watching on YouTube. Um Overall, from this game, the Timberwolves ended up winning by 11. They outshot the Jazz by roughly four percentage points, holding yet another team under 40%. Well, that's something we'll unpack early next week is, you know, the Wolves' defense after a couple of, obviously, the Phoenix game, uh, the New Orleans game defensively wasn't nearly as good. Uh, and then the other loss here they had recently that I'm blanking on what it was. But, um, you know, the defense wasn't quite to where we got used to seeing it. Uh, it's still very good. But another team held under 40% and yet another team under 38%. Um, the Wolves started shooting the ball rough from three. They ended up shooting 13 to 35, so they outshot Utah from outside the arc. They also were finally out-turnovered by another team. Utah had 11 miscues in this one. The Wolves only, excuse me, Utah had 19. The Wolves only had 11. We talked about the glass, minus nine on the glass, and ultimately Utah ended up committing three more personal fouls than the Wolves in this one, which was... Uh, which was um, Good to see because early in the game, I felt like the whistle wasn't just wasn't going the wolves way exactly. But um, in general, again, another strong defensive performance. Um, the wolves, by the way, didn't shoot their first free throw until midway through the second quarter. That was the first free throw attempt they had. And it was and one opportunity. I think they had three free throw attempts at halftime, uh, which was just crazy given the physicality in this game, um, because I, I thought there was quite a bit of it, actually. So. Let's close the show here today by talking to individual studs and duds. We'll take a brief peek ahead at upcoming at the upcoming games, the upcoming schedule. We'll do all that here next. Today's episode is brought to us by our title sponsors over at Game Time. 
You should not have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event if you use GameTime. GameTime is a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. With killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee, GameTime takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. GameTime is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. You can see those the view from those seats. The all-in prices show your total up front. You know exactly what you're getting without hidden fees. You can buy tickets in seconds with two taps. Find exclusive flash deals and sponsored deals on tickets for football, ba- basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. With zone deals, you pick the section and GameTime picks the seats for an average of 18% savings. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code LOCKDOWNNBA, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A, for $20 off. Download game time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. All right, let's close this thing out by talking individual studs and duds for the Wolves. We have to start with Carl Anthony Towns. We talked a little bit about his game earlier. 32 points on 12 of 22 Four of seven outside the arc, four of five at the charity stripe, 11 rebounds, four assists, two steals in this game. He did turn it over four times. Two of those were offensive fouls early, the first quarter, and they had a couple of bad passes as well. But um, a good cat game, nonetheless. Like, uh, jumper looked good from everywhere outside the arc, mid range, just a couple bad shots, but like for the most part, solid sound decision making for the Wolves other superstar with Ant not available. Um like this was this was a good cat game. I talked about him defensively, I thought was good too. So, you know, you'll take thirty two on twenty two shots out of your number one offensive option any night of the week. And Cat provided exactly that. Number two has to be Nikhil Alexander Walker. Twenty points, seven assists Five rebounds, five steals, and two blocks in this game for Alexander Walker. He uh, The only kind of a blemish on his record would be the four turnovers, two of which were absolutely just nonsensical passes late in the game. Like, I mean, just take those out, and this is a sparkling box score line. Um, I'll, I'll, I got to say it again. 20 points, seven assists, five rebounds, five steals, and two blocks in this game. He was also 50% from the field and 50% at the line. 8 of 16 shooting the ball, 4 of 8 on threes. He was third on the team in minutes with 36 played behind only Gobert and Towns. Uh, I, I still can't believe Alexander Walker squeezed the trigger 16 times and shot eight threes in a game. Uh, but that's what happens when McDaniels and Edwards are both out. And... This is a guy, interestingly enough, like I've, I cautioned in the offseason, like, hey, he shouldn't have too big of a role. The Wolves shouldn't overpay for him. I had concerns about how, you know, the recency bias of how well he played in the playoffs defensively in Jamal Murray and also in the play-in against SGA last year and the close to the regular season. Like, this guy doesn't have the track record of being this good in his previous stops in New Orleans and Utah. And, you know... For the most part, the last three weeks, he has been that good. Like the first couple weeks of the season, he looked a little bit out of sorts, wasn't as good as he'd been in preseason. But now of late, and obviously this game being being the most obvious, biggest, most recent example, like I don't think he's that like high usage guy, ball handler coming out of college that people thought that maybe he would be in the NBA. And I think it'd be dangerous to assume he would be and the Wolves don't need him to be. But with no Ant and no McDaniels, they're okay with him doing a little bit more. He was second on the team in field goal attempts in this game next to Carl Anthony Towns. 
by far. Like he cleared, like Gobert had 11 shot attempts. Alexander Walker had 16 shot attempts in this game. Second on the team, only behind Cats 22. And he was efficient with it. Those corner threes for him are, they feel like layups a lot of the time. And that three-point shot has continued to improve. And part of my apprehension for Alexander Walker was he just didn't shoot the ball well enough in the first, I mean, what, three and a half years of his career? Yeah, he spent he spent two and a half in, in New Orleans and, and one and a half in Utah. Um, And, you know, coming in this year, he was only 34% from three this season for the Wolves. Overall, for his career, he's 34%. Um, you know, that number is going to go up slightly in terms of this season because he he shot the ball, for, you know, four of eight um, on Thursday against Utah. But, like, corner threes, actually, coming into the game, he was only 30% on corner threes this season. But last year, between Utah and Minnesota, he was 39% on corner threes. For his career, he's 37%, which is still a little lower than you'd like it to be. But if he can bring that up, you know, corner threes, he's got to be 40-ish percent to feel really, really good about that. Um that's where that number should be. And maybe now that he's going to get a little bit more playing time with no McDaniels for at least another week and likely no Ant for a couple more games, maybe he gets into a little bit more of a rhythm and is, is, is you know, continually more comfortable shooting those corner threes in the rhythm of the Wolves offense. But anyway, a really good all-around Nikhil Alexander-Walker game. Great to see him perform so well on both ends of the floor. He had a couple just real simple steals. The energy, the athleticism, talked about the length. Um, and he's been good enough with the ball in his hands, save for a couple of, of silly mistakes late in this one. Uh, just the perfect, like, kudos to Tim Connolly. Like, this is a topic for another day. Uh, our, our friend Jack Borman, of course, the the editor-in-chief over at Canis Hoopis and, and does the basketball party on Wednesdays and about half of our postcasts over at Lockdown Sports Minnesota. And also, by the way, brief plug, the episode before this is the live postcast. I believe we had Tyler Metcalf on um this time around, but oftentimes it's Jack from Canisupis. Jack tweeted out like a couple days ago, basically, hey, let's not forget this trade, right? The D'Lo Conley trade. I mean, Nikhil Alexander-Walker was a quote-unquote throw-in and then the picks, obviously, too. We could talk about that. That was part of Jack's tweet. This is a topic for another day, but what a what a get to get Nikhil Alexander-Walker and then to bring him back like the Wolves did in the offseason was so smart, and, and this is exactly why they did it. Third stud for me has to be Rudy Gobert. 15 points, 13 rebounds, three blocks for Rudy, six of 11 shooting. Still missing a couple bunnies around the rim that we've seen him make, but he threw down some dunks late in this game. A couple of impressive ones. Another nice three of four at the line. We'll take that. We'll take 75%. The foul trouble early wasn't ideal, but in general, controlled the game from the paint. Um, Troy Brown Jr., I like the nobody's talking about him now, including me for the first 25 minutes of this podcast today, but like, he was really good. Like he did the role player thing after, after the fourth quarter heroics, 12 points, the fourth quarter, I think 17 for the game on Tuesday and the win over OKC. He had only eight points in this game, three of six shooting, but he knocked down a couple of threes. He had three boards, two assists, one steal, only one turnover in 29 minutes. He was a team best plus 20 in a game. The wolves won by 11. So activity. um, Oh, good defense too. I should have mentioned it when I was talking about defense earlier. He also ended up guarding John Collins at times, um, and also smaller guards on the perimeter. Very good one-on-one defense in this game from Brown. And, and my view on him from afar over the past couple of years was it's spotty, right? The defense is, can be very good. The size, the athleticism is great, but it was spotty defense. In this game, he was good. Very, very good defensively uh, in isolation um, and, and did enough other stuff and had that activity level that I thought his presence was felt even if the box score doesn't pop out at you. 
All right. Um, the bench was just kind of so-so in this game. I talked about their shooting. Like, I thought they played a role late first quarter, early second quarter that helped to, to jumpstart the offense. But as a whole, I talked about, what did I say, one of, uh, one of 11 from outside the arc the bench was. And overall, the bench shot, this number is crazy. Um, let's see, I'm doing the math really quick. They shot eight of eight of twenty-eight from the field, which is like thirty under a little under thirty percent. Eight of twenty-eight from the field, the bench shot, which is crazy considering the Wolves as a team shot forty-three point eight percent to forty-four percent. I mean, you had four or five starters that shot fifty percent or better. So, like the starters carried the offense in this game. The defense was good in, in spurts. Nix was fine. Uh, I thought Shake was okay. Nas was a bit uneven in this game. Same with Kyle Anderson once again. Although I should say Kyle Anderson, Sloma had six assists and no turnovers in this game. So really uh, was distributing there with that second unit. So strong overall performance from a number of guys, but especially for Cat. Nah, and Rudy Gobert. Ah, I forgot to put up my graphics. If you're watching on YouTube, here, I'll do it real quick. There's the line for Cat, 32-11-4. and four. Uh, 32, 11 and four for cat in this game. And again, 12 of 22 shooting. We'll take that every single day of the week. And there's Nah, 20.7 rebounds, five steals in this game. And those five assists that I mentioned, 20.7 rebounds, five assists and five steals for Nikhil Alexander Walker. We'll see what the encore looks like. Uh, the schedule upcoming for Minnesota, they go to Charlotte on Saturday. And it's, I mean, like it's been a rough go for Charlotte. I said before the season, I think I included them in my over under uh, show I had them as an over. Um, that's not looking great right now. But I will say, even though Lamelo Ball's injured, they've won three of their last five games. They just beat the Nets by a single point uh, on Thursday night. They beat the Celtics about a week ago. They also got blown up by the Knicks and the Magic recently. So it's certainly been up and down, mostly down until late. But you also have the Lamelo Ball injury. So uh, the Wolves get the Hornets on Saturday. That's a 4 p.m. Central tip in Charlotte. Um, and then after that, the Timberwolves have, uh, the schedule actually is, I don't want to say it's light, but it's, um, it's manageable if you're the Wolves, right? Um, so after they get Charlotte on Saturday, they have another two days off or excuse me, day off. Well, no, actually they have three days off because of the in-season tournament stuff. So they play Saturday, no game Sunday, no game Monday, no game Tuesday. So Monday we'll talk, we'll unpack the Hornets game a little bit. And then Tuesday we'll get into some of the stuff I alluded to earlier related to um, uh, basically the the Wolves breaking down a bit further lineups and Wolves shot distribution and um, some of the transition stuff that I've been talking about. We'll get into all that early next week. Then next Wednesday, the Wolves actually have a national TV game. One of the games that was added because they're out of the play in, or excuse me, I keep calling it playing in season tournament. They get San Antonio and Wimbenyama on ESPN next Wednesday and then next Friday at Memphis. So a couple of winnable games next week for Minnesota. But before all that, Charlotte on Saturday, live postcast will be on Lockdown Sports Minnesota on YouTube. And uh, that'll be over uh, on, on that channel. It'll be our friends, Luke Inman and Jack Borman. I'll be back Monday with Monday's show. If you're listening to the game on Saturday against Charlotte, you can catch every bucket of Wolves Hornets on the hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Our friend Alan Horton on the call. Just search Minnesota Timberwolves on the SXM app. A big thank you to those that do make Lockdown Wolves your first listen every single day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. Wherever you like to listen to podcasts, you can find Lockdown Wolves. You can also... 
watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on Roku and Amazon Fire TV and follow on X at Lockdown T-Wolves and also at B-Beacon with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.